This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today is a very special guest. It's Danny Jenkins. He's the co-founder and CEO of an amazing cybersecurity company, ThreatLocker, founded ThreatLocker.com. Danny, welcome to the hot seat today. Thank you for having me today, Gary. So zero trust, there's conversations about it's a journey, it's a process, it's this, it's that, and it's hard to do, and it might take years, but you've solved most of this problem with a solution? Yeah, so I think that the zero trust is a philosophy of really deny by default, or least privilege. It used to be called least privilege. Now it's called zero trust, but essentially it means allow by exception. And in many cases, that's talking about user permissions to files, it's talking about network access, but it's also talking about what programs can run on your machine. Rather than trying to focus on blocking malware, Zero Trust focuses on allowing what you need and blocking everything else, which essentially blocks malware as well. Does that mean you're installing an endpoint agent on Windows and Mac and phones and other, you know, what kind of devices uh, are you protecting access for Zero Trust? Yeah, so our, our we, we don't touch phones apart from from a management point of view, but our, our protection is about laptops, desktops, uh, so Windows and Mac we have now as well, servers, um, those those kind of devices, endpoints and servers, really. And your company has a really cool name. It sounds like uh, you you lock up the threats because uh, they can't exploit you if they can't function. Well, and and that's it. So the the really the goal of our product is about. The, only allowing what you need and blocking everything else, which means blocking threats as well. But it's not just about can a program run, but also what it can do once it's running, because quite often you'll see attackers misusing built-in Windows components or built-in software. So we think about Microsoft Office, that's a good program. We think about PowerShell, that's a good program. Both of those need to function in your environment. But Office doesn't really need to talk to PowerShell, and PowerShell really doesn't need to see all of your documents and your files. So what we're able to do is we're able to learn what's needed in your environment and how those programs interact with your documents, your files, the internet, and then we're able to lock it down to that state. And people don't often change the software they use on their computer. So by doing that, you stop malware running because you're blocking everything, but you also stop shadow IT, you stop software being compromised and weaponized against you because a lot of cyber attacks today don't even use malware. They'll use PowerShell or they use RegServe or other Windows components. So a lot of folks post-COVID are working from home and, you know, the work from home, I think it's part dilemma, uh, part benefit. You know, companies can use less office space. They can hire people all over the globe. But we're talking about really weak or poor hygiene on home computing. And so I've talked to a lot of CISOs who say, you know, my company went from five offices to 2,000 offices. They're just people's houses. But we can't control what's in those those offices, two IP addresses or 20 or 50. And then when they access our resources, you know, how do we reduce the risk of eavesdropping, key logging, you know, zero-day malware, ransomware attacks, all that stuff. Can you help solve that all the way down to the endpoint in the home? Well, and that's the thing. The endpoint is the point of attack because there's no network anymore. The, there is a network. It's just called the internet. And we share the internet with the whole world. And then we've got home networks. And, you know, I, I, I ran out of IP addresses on my home network a few months ago. And uh, I said, how did I use over 200 IP addresses in my house? And everything between Apple Watches and at my 14 year old son and all of these other devices that are sharing the network with me. So we have to protect at the endpoint. The firewall's kind of really gone. The firewall's only there now to protect servers and devices that are hosted. But what we're really focusing on is how do I protect 
my laptop? How do I protect my device? Because my device can access all of the data I can access in a non-encrypted state. So protecting the network traffic, so having advanced firewalls on your endpoints where you can do uh, dynamic ACLs, you're locking it down, you're auditing traffic in one centralized place, allows IT directors to see everything in one place and create policies and remove policies of what network traffic can come in and out their endpoints, but also locking down what programs can run. Because when people are when people are in the office, they do bad things. But when people are at home, they tend to be even worse behaved. They tend to click on things more. They, they It's harder to ask someone, do you just send me that file? And they say, no. So people tend to click on things more often because they can't get hold of someone to validate it. So controlling what can run, how documents, how programs can interact with your documents is really important. And really just hardening that endpoint device is super important with remote workers. Does this mean if we do it right, we really don't need to run antivirus and don't need to download, you know, billions of samples of, uh, of viruses and malware signatures and all that mess that AV has caused? Or do we still need this as yet another layer? So we work independent to or in conjunction with your antivirus or your EDR. Uh, essentially, our product is an endpoint security product. So when we're running it on the endpoint, it will block all malware. But we start with, hey, we're going to learn what you need, and then we're going to block what you don't. Whereas an antivirus would say, we're going to allow everything, and then we're going to block something that matches a suspicious pattern. Both of them end up, well, sometimes the antivirus will miss the blocking of malware, but the goal is to block malware in both cases. We we only use ThreatLocker internally. We don't have, I mean, we have Windows Defender, whatever comes with the operating system, but we don't go off and buy a commercial EDR. And we've got a number of clients, including government agencies and banks and hospitals that just run ThreatLocker with whatever's built into the operating system. When you think about IoT devices, you can take away the footprint of a huge antivirus by just putting a zero trust endpoint security. You don't need those massive definitions and that massive complexities around it. You just put your, your zero trust solution on the endpoint. So it takes away the knee, the, the risk of your antivirus failing. Many customers decide, hey, I'm going to use my antivirus almost as a backup. I like to think of it as a house alarm or a burglar alarm. It's not going to stop someone getting into your house, but it'll make a lot of noise. We're really the locks on the door that's going to harden your endpoint and stop people running the malware to begin with. That's wonderful. And a lot of folks don't even understand their CVEs, their vulnerabilities on when to patch on their home computers and desktops and laptops and Macintosh and all that. And so an example would be one of the things you protect against. Let's say there's yet another you know, JPEG rendering flaw in Outlook and the hacker leverages it and they exploit it and then they go launch a PowerShell and they, they try to do some things. You, you would stop that pretty much instantly because that behavior is wrong and that is out, out of the bounds of zero trust. Yes, and if we look at the Microsoft Office for Lena vulnerability that was recent, that that required there was no macros enabled. Microsoft changed the conversation to macros very quickly, but you didn't need to write a macro for that. You could crash Office, and that would ultimately call call the Microsoft MS Diagnostics tool, and then PowerShell. In that case, we just blocked that right out of the box. It couldn't download the malware. It couldn't run any software. It couldn't call out to PowerShell because that's outside of the normal behavior of that application. And we've defined one of the cool things about ThreatLocker is we define what normal behavior is for thousands of applications. So you don't have to figure it all out yourself. You say, hey, put ThreatLocker out there, learn what I have, match it to known policies, and then we can simulate if there's any problems. And then it just really hardens your environment. And we stop those. It doesn't matter. You know, people often say, oh, oh how do you respond to new threats? We don't think of new threats like an antivirus would thinking about, oh, well, there's a new type of malware that's evading detection because it's now partially encrypting a file because we don't care because it can't run. What we're really focused on is how do we enhance our security deeper into the operating system? How do we focus on what applications need to do and learn and 
foster those relationships. We have a very different way of thinking, but it's very, very effective. And it is the most effective way to stop malware in your environment. It sounds foundational that everybody should be running threat locker as, you know, along with encryption and MFA and other things you need to really lock your networks down and your access so that uh, folks don't click the wrong link. And next thing you know, you know, could cause downtime, could cause data theft, could cause a company to go out of business. Well, and that's it. Like today, antivirus or endpoint security, detection-based endpoint security hasn't got worse over the last 20 years. I mean, if you go back to 2000, 2000, 2001, the Lovebug virus, the Blaster virus, all of those were missed by the antivirus products. And the difference is today, viruses are far more impactful. They don't say, I love you anymore. They encrypt all your files. So EDR antivirus threat detection still fails to detect. The only difference is now the consequence isn't a pop-up on your machine or a slow computer. It's you literally going out of business, your data being published on the internet. Danny, can an SMB, a, a mid-sized company, get ThreatLocker? Is it just for Fortune 1000? And do you sell direct? Do you sell through channel? How do we get a hold of your technology? So it's funny. When we started this company, I had two goals in mind. My goal was to make zero trust endpoint security the norm. Because at the point in time, it wasn't. It was too difficult. It was difficult to use. And I had two goals. One was to make a small company use this. And one was to make a large organization use this. Now, today, we have thousands of small businesses, mainly through managed IT companies that deploy it as part of their service. I mean, we're talking 18,000, 17,000 small businesses and they go through MSPs and you should call your MSP and ask them why aren't they doing zero trust endpoint security if they're not. But most MSPs now offer it as some kind of uh, fact. And then on the other side of the scale was we wanted to prove it would work in a large organization. So we've got clients like the US Navy, JetBlue, uh, large Fortune 100 companies that are using our product at the large scale. If you have a sophisticated or an internal IT department, that um, manages your IT and you don't use an MSP, you can buy ThreatLocker directly, or you can buy through a VAR or a channel partner. If you're if you're a smaller business and you don't have an on-site IT, an MSP can help you with ThreatLocker. And if you don't have an MSP, you can help you, we can help you find one. Is it downloadable trialware, demoware? Uh, is there a proof of value? How do I test you out or try you out? Or you know, once I have you installed, I'll pretty much immediately know it's working. So essentially, we we do this uh, as part of the onboarding process. We don't charge for any of this. As part of your onboarding process, so an engineer will do a demo for you. They'll show you the product. There's a lot of power in ThreatLocker, things like file auditing, network controls, um, even elevation controls to allow programs to run as an admin when the user isn't, so you don't have to elevate those. There's loads of power you don't even think about. So one of our engineers will walk you through all of those components. That takes about 45 minutes. And during that time, they'll set you up on a free trial. The free trial process is really about you deploying the agent, it learning what's required in your environment and then a week later we come back we show you what's learned normally you have a little bit of a meltdown because there's some things you didn't know were there like coupon clippers and remote access tools that your users might have put on so they could work remotely um but what we'll do is we'll show you that we can adjust any policies you don't like and then you lock it down after a week or two uh, we do this all during the trial and then if you're happy with that we show you how you'd introduce new software into your environment that is trusted and it's very easy it takes 60 seconds to do that and then once you're happy you you lock down and then you can you can buy either through your MSP or, or if you're a larger company through ThreatLocker. That is amazing, and I think so many companies uh, don't even know if you don't know what you have as a attack surface, which is a lot of software that is vulnerable, maybe even software that's part of the the attack uh, platforms. You're in big trouble. So going zero trust sounds amazing, and 
you know, again, people have said to me, it's a journey, it's going to take a long time. But Danny, you're saying it's 45 minutes to an hour and you can be up and running. Yeah, I mean, I've deployed 10,000 user organizations um, from zero to complete lockdown where no software can run, their endpoints are secured. I mean, there's other areas they should focus on, like they should be focusing on their identity, which isn't about the endpoint. But I've done that literally in five calls over five weeks, an hour a week. And we've gone from zero to zero trust. So, it, and that was a massive organization. I've, I've seen people do it in an hour. We typically recommend you learn for longer than an hour. But when you, if people have already been breached, they tend to be a little bit more, hey, I need to get this locked down fast. But I've seen people do it in a week. Uh, but it, it really is, we're talking, you know, a couple of hours of your time um, and you can lock down a, a decent sized organization. And we, the nice thing is we walk you through the entire process. So it's, and we simulate. So a lot of people are like, well, what happens if I turn this on and my business ends? We can literally, if you let this learn for a week or two, we can show you over a period of time, what would have been blocked. So you can go, oh, only bad things. That's good. Let me, let me actually lock this down now. And shadow IT is becoming even a bigger deal. Uh, with the remote workforce, you know, oh, I set up Dropbox. Oh, we were supposed to use Box, not Dropbox. I didn't know that. I put it on my credit card. And then I moved company files, you know, there. And and then maybe I moved to a different company and I've still got that account that I wasn't supposed to have because it wasn't managed. What, you know, whatever the platform is, you would be able to defend against shadow IT pretty quickly. Yes. So we essentially, you can't run it unless it's uh, approved. And that's what people normally have a meltdown over when they deploy ThreatLocker. They, they see oh, I've got TeamViewer installed and I've got Dropbox installed and I've got um, somebody running a coupon clipper. And what people don't realize is when you have that browser extension, it can see all your passwords. And do I really want to save 20 cents that much so that it can see any password of any website I log into? So you, you get to see all that and then you get to turn it off. And normally you do end up turning things off because you, you found there's things that shouldn't be there. And it puts you in control as a business of what's happening in your environment. Well, extensible good hygiene means less breaches. And that's what it sounds like you've been able to develop, which is advanced, uh, yet it sounds easy to deploy and pretty amazing technology. Yeah. And, and what's what's cool about this as well, think about this from an IT point of view. Think about all the issues you have with computers, and they normally relate to users downloading and running things, coupon clippers. Uh, I downloaded a free PDF writer that expired, and now I can't open PDF files. They're the type of IT issues that people have. Now, think about this. You give somebody a laptop. You allow the software you need, whether it's Office, Chrome, Zoom, Teams. And then five years later, the laptop comes back into you. The screen's smashed up, but the laptop is exactly the same as it was. They haven't broken any of the software. The, the system's still running smooth. The hard drive space hasn't run out because you had control over that system the whole time. And you, you end up taking away so much IT management because you don't get malware anymore. You don't get pop-ups anymore. You don't get all these problems that users have with their computer. You've done it, and uh, that is amazing. Like I said, I think it should be foundational technology. It should be a must-have. Danny, is there anything else you'd like to share with our viewers and listeners that we haven't covered about ThreatLocker today? No, I think that the big thing is, as, as a corporation, when I mean, we started this company nearly six years ago, we're based here in Orlando, Florida. I know I, I have a strong Michigan accent, but um, the, the uh, we, we literally help you, whether you're a smaller company or whether you're an MSP, whether you're a Fortune 100 company, we will walk you through the process and we have 24-hour support that answers in 30 seconds, uh, 365 days a year, and you can get someone on a Zoom session to walk you through any questions you have. It doesn't matter whether it's 2 a.m. on Christmas morning. That is wonderful. And we're going to send our viewers and listeners to threatlocker.com. Danny Jenkins, wonderful guest sitting in my hot seat. You are the CEO and co-founder of an amazing company, Making Zero Trust a Reality. Thank you, Gary.
You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Milewski.